Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast with your host, Evan McElwain. Welcome back to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. I'm Evan McElwain, Bowery Capital's Director of Growth, and this week we are joined by Alan Silvestri, founder and CEO of Growth Gorilla, to talk about link building and scrappy SEO tactics. Great to have you on the show, Alan. Hey, Evan. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, Alan, tell us more about you, your background, and the current company that you're building, Growth Gorilla. So, I've my background doesn't have uh, anything to do with link building or or even SEO. I've been working for nine years in an office job as an electronic engineer, an automation company for the medical sector. And so nothing to do with SEO. The way that I stumbled across SEO is I was playing in a punk rock band, essentially. And I, and I wanted to find some job that would allow me to go play shows around and not having to sit in an office job from nine to five. And so I started looking online for ways to make money online, essentially. And I stumbled upon affiliate websites, Amazon affiliate websites. I started doing a bunch of that. And that's how I learned to do SEO. And then I was hired by this guy doing essentially SEO content, keyword research, and a bunch of different things for this affiliate website, which was a very good authority website publishing a lot of scientific content in the in the health space so the site was publishing a lot of articles like 10 articles per month very good super high quality articles and the problem with that is that after a year we didn't see much traction even though like we both knew that the content was really great and so that's where the owner of the website kind of put me in charge of the promotion for this content and this is where I came up with my link building process. I've started doing a bunch of different link building tactics and eventually stumbled upon something that worked for me. And we got that website up to 200,000 visitors per month, which was really good. And then I thought, hey, so if I'm doing this thing for this one website, the chances are that I might be able to hire somebody and do the same thing for multiple clients, right? And so at that point, my brother was working as a SaaS copywriter, and he was telling me how good it was to work with these kind of companies, because for the most part, it's younger people, so they know my, my background. And with these companies, I wouldn't have to do the hard sell, especially because most people in SaaS marketing, they know already what link building content promotion is. And so that's how I got the idea of uh, niching down into SaaS companies and start this agency. Well, you already sort of gave one really cool fun fact, which is used to be in a punk rock band, but we always like to ask the question, what is one thing that no one listening to this podcast would know about you? Are there any other nuggets there you want to share? So sure. Uh, my only car is a DeLorean and I'm a huge <laughs> back to the future fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it here, Alan. Let's talk about some of the basics. I would assume most of our listeners know what SEO is, know what it means, but what about the mechanics of it? What, what are some of the primary levers that companies are using to rank higher in search results? And where does this term link building fit in? Okay, so there's an interesting study from Ahrefs, which is one of the most famous SEO tools. And what they've done, they've analyzed their entire database of websites, which is, I think it's over 1 billion pages. And then they tried to study which pages were getting the most traffic and why. And so they came up with three major findings from this. And the first one was the 91% of those pages weren't getting traffic from Google. And so just a minor part of those pages were getting traffic. And the main reason for the traffic was number one, the fact that they had some backlinks. 
And the second one was that they were targeting a specific keyword with search volume. And the third lever was that the pages were satisfying the search intent and the content type. And we can talk about each of these three. But essentially, the three main lever to rank in search engines today are link building. And that's still one of the top three ranking factors for Google. Second one is targeting keyword with search volume. And the third one is satisfying the search intent and the content type. Great. And so when you're working with companies and founders, helping them get the most out of their content, what do you sort of see as the current state? If you had it just on average, what, what is their current, their state of their content distribution strategy? What does that look like? What are people getting right, getting wrong? And, and sort of how does, and we can also talk about what their SEO typically looks versus what it, what it should look like. So in terms of the content, there are a couple of things that they're doing well. For the most part, it's the technical stuff. So site speed, site optimization, technical SEO stuff, that's usually done pretty well, especially for software companies. And that's probably because they are technological companies per se. And so that's usually done pretty well, the very basics. The things that they are not usually doing well is the stuff that I just mentioned. So the keyword targeting is usually pretty bad. So companies that are posting new features that we just published uh, this week like these articles would never rank for any keyword mm. because nobody's looking for that content and so they think that just by publishing this like software updates content they can get traffic but no that's not how it works the second thing that's not usually done very well is the content depth so uh, nowadays especially compared to a few years ago to be able to rank in google especially for competitive keywords you really need to write some long form content. So the 500 words article doesn't really work anymore. Most articles that are informational and ranking on page one are usually 2000 words or more. So really how deep you go with your content and how well you satisfy, uh, yeah, basically the search intent. So the thing that I was talking about before. Lastly, another problem with some of the content that I see is content saturation. So a lot of companies are publishing too much content And for example, you have 10 articles that are talking about similar topics. So what happens when companies do this is that all of these articles that are about similar keywords and similar topics are competing in Google for the same topics. And so Google doesn't really know which one of those to rank. And so what happens is that none of them rank. So how do you think about that dynamic in terms of writing too many articles about similar topics with the strategy of having your cornerstone content or your cornerstone topic that then has all the subtopics beneath it. Like, is that still the optimal structure that people should be going for? Or is that sort of the old school SEO tactics that have now been outgrown by something else? Uh, no, that definitely still works. And it's still how you should do things. So the whole pop and spoke model of content. So having the pillar pages and all of the related content underneath. But the problem is that most companies can't really differentiate between the different topics and the related child topics that they should have underneath the main topic. Uh So they all write the same level. So it's missing that overarching strategy to tie it all together. Exactly. And so that's called a keyword cannibalization where multiple pages are ranking for the same keywords. And it's usually pretty bad. So what you should do to avoid that is essentially consolidate all of the pages that are targeting similar keywords and put them into one main content asset that that's going to be your main content piece that you can promote as well. And that should help make it deeper as well because yeah, you can make it exactly. have more words and then it's stronger in that way as well. In terms of the distribution, 
so we're talking about content uh, marketing strategy and distribution as well the things that i'm seeing done well and done badly so a few companies the things that are doing well i think is the basic stuff so doing like email newsletters posting on social media the very basics are usually done pretty well but it doesn't take much and so really the things that companies should try to learn how to do better is really like the very targeted promotion so instead of using the umbrella approach and do a bit of everything which doesn't really work well is finding which is your main channel where your audience is and using that and focusing mainly on that one channel for your content distribution and promotion in the case of the clients that come to us they know that their audience is in google looking for specific keywords to solve their problems and so the best way to reach these kind of people is to write yeah the articles that are targeted at these specific keywords and try to rank these pages so that people can find them Got it. And maybe this is an unfair question, but if you think about those three main levers you talked about, link building, targeting keywords with search volume, and then satisfying search intent, if you had to assign a percentage to each of those in terms of how important they are to actually doing SEO well, how would that break down? Which of these is the most important versus the least? So I would say that the last two, so the keyword with search volume and the search intent, slash content type can go together and we can call them SEO optimization, for example, and we have link building on the other side. So it depends with everything that's regarding SEO. Usually the answer is it depends. And so the (laughs) thing here, it depends on the competition of these keywords and topics for one. And so for more competitive keywords and topics, I would say that usually the distribution is SEO optimization, maybe 60% and link building 40%, for example. So link building is very important in case you have a very competitive keywords, for example. And on the other hand, so if the keyword that you're trying to compete with is not very competitive, I've seen some cases where SEO optimization can be 80%, link building just a small 20%. So it depends on how high is the bar been raised for whatever you're trying to, whatever space you're trying to play in. And if everyone's doing targeted keywords well and doing satisfying search intent, then link building is going to be your differentiator. But if people haven't even done those yet, then you can easily level up and and get to the head of the pack. So Alan, what about, we're talking about a lot of different strategies and tactics here, and we've already gone over some good learnings. I'm trying to stay oriented properly. So help me understand the order of operations when it comes to really doing all this stuff. Should I be doing this all once I've gotten to a certain, you know, content threshold where I've already produced quite a bit of stuff and, and now I'm really trying to get the most out of it? Uh, is this something I should be doing in parallel? Is this something that I should actually be first figuring out that then will set my content strategy? Help me think through the order of operations here. Sure. So if you are just starting out with your content strategy and maybe publishing the first few pieces of content, I would say that the first step is to get at least five to 10 articles on your website, a really good and depth quality articles on your site published. And then the second study you could do is essentially wait a little bit to let things settle and see which one of these pages start to get some traction in Google without you having to do anything. So sometimes you might have an article that's really well-targeted and, and really in-depth. And maybe this article start, starts ranking maybe page three or four of Google, something like that. And so let's say that you have these five to 10 articles and you see that two or three of them are starting to rank pretty well. 
so the next step is for you to try and double down on this and try to do outreach maybe for link building for these kind of pieces and trying to push them up the rankings. So once you've done this with a few articles and maybe those articles were maybe a middle or bottom of the funnel article, so you start getting some leads, some demos or, or something like that. The next step, maybe with the extra revenue that you have, you can invest that into those Facebook ads that we were talking about before and try to test the rest of the content pieces that you have uh, sitting there and see if those, like if any of those can produce maybe some extra leads, some, some new signups for your company. And then based on the result of these Facebook ads that you can do, then maybe you can do outreach for these other extra pieces of content. And so it's a flywheel. So start off just by publishing, seeing what works and, and what starts ranking without doing anything else. Promote that and then use the extra revenue to maybe run some, some ads to see what else can perform better and then promote those. I like that. And it's a nice crawl, walk, run. It seems small enough where you can actually action it, but you're also testing the waters as you go so that you don't get too far down any one rabbit hole before having to course correct. All right, so let, let's get even more tactical here, Alan. I know we talked about these three levers earlier. It sounds like one lever that a lot of people miss is the link building part, just because it maybe seems more cumbersome or more manual versus some of the other levers that people have that, that are trying to optimize their SEO. How should people actually even go about this from a link building standpoint? As they're trying to set their strategy, figure out, okay, I need some backlinks in order to actually rank higher because these are more competitive keywords or what have you. What's that process look like? So the first thing that I usually recommend people to do is to experiment maybe at the beginning with a bunch of different kind of strategies because like as you probably know there's a lot of different kind of link building tactics there's broken link building there's guest posting there's harrow now which is replying to reporters and so there's a bunch of different strategies that you could do but i see the problem is that a lot of people try to do everything at once and then they are not having very good results and so the thing that i usually recommend people to do is to find the one tactic or process that works for you and then double down on that. And so that's essentially what we've done with this process. As I was telling you before, it's the process that I came up with from working with that affiliate website back in the day. And then I essentially took that process and used it, put it down in a way that could work for software companies as well, especially for those companies that were already publishing a lot of content, but that didn't have the resources to promote it. And so the way that our process works, it's essentially three steps. So it's a research, prospecting, and outreach. And so the research is like planning. So deciding which page you want to build links to and promote, and essentially look at the competition to make a few different assessments on where to take the overall campaign. Uh, the prospecting is finding your opportunity or your angle that you want to use to reach out to people uh, to promote your content and then qualify these pages to make sure that they fit specific criteria and then finding things, the email accounts, for example. And the outreach is mostly centered around personalization. So finding the best, the most creative way to reach out to people and to install a kind of a conversation. And then from this point onwards, it's mostly a negotiation. So finding what's in it for them, for these people, and and trying to find the best way to provide it for them so that you can 
start a conversation with them and get them to promote your content, essentially. Let's do this chronologically. Let's start with the research. Any tips for how to do this step well, how to do it efficiently? Where should people start when they're trying to narrow in and, and figure out what types of pages that they actually want to have their links on? Uh, sure. So the first step in the research phase is actually deciding which page uh, to build links to and, and the page that you want to promote. And so for SaaS companies, for the most part, I've divided the pages that they have into four main buckets. So the first one is the homepage. And that's usually, so if you run a campaign for the homepage, it's mostly for brand awareness or like referral traffic or to increase your overall site's authority. The second bucket is the what I call the quick win pages. So these are the pages that Google already likes. And then maybe with just a couple of extra link could shoot all the way to the top. And so the uh, third uh, bucket of content is the main landing pages that you might have. So for example, the use cases pages, the feature pages of your software or some comparison pages, like the classic uh, software alternative pages. The fourth bucket is the linkable asset. And these are all of those pieces of content that are made specifically for link building or for digital PR. So, so things, infographics, or the ultimate guides, uh, so these kind of things. So once you've decided whether you want to build links to one of these four kind of pieces of content types, essentially, the next step is to be sure that your specific page or piece of content is matching the search intent. So essentially what we talked about before a little bit, search intent and the content type. And so the best way to do this is to look at the pages that are already ranking in the top 10 results and see what search intent they are trying to satisfy and which content type they are. So for example, let's say that I'm typing best sales tools, best B2B sales prospecting software, something like that. So what I'm trying to do is find a list, a comparison of all of the best sales tools so that I can make a choice, right? So here I am in a research mode and not yet in buying mode. And so that is really important because if you want to rank for this specific keyword, you need to make sure that you are doing the list of articles. Because Don't send them to the pricing page. Right, right. Exactly. And the content type is another thing that's really important. So the content type is the type of your page, what content uh, your page is. So it can be a landing page or it can be a blog article or it can be a forum. For some reason, when you say content type, I immediately think, oh, is it sort of written? Is it audio? Is it video? You know, I'm thinking sort of yeah, mediums, yeah, yeah. but really yeah, you're yeah. talking even more specifically, like, is it a blog page? Is it a homepage? Is it a landing page? Exactly. So you can really tell the difference. So if you type a keyword and you see that it's maybe all home pages that are ranking, it means that Google wants to rank home pages for that specific keyword. And so in that case, let's say that you have a blog articles, it's probably not going to rank. If the mm. other pages are home pages. It means that Google doesn't want blog articles in there, right? Mm. So that's the content type thing. And like similarly, if you type a keyword and you see that it's all directories, Captera or G2, it means that Google wants people to find those kind of pages. Got it. And so as yeah. part of your research, coming back to where we're at now in this mm-hmm. process, as you're doing the research, figure out sort of do the searches to see what is Google currently showing. And then that can help you match to that type so that as you're seeing what type of pages that you want to be linked to and what pages you want those to, to, to link 
on your side, you can sort of match the, the content type with search intent. So the first step is deciding which page you want to build links to, then start doing the research, which the first step is looking at the yeah, search intent and content type. And the second step is uh, doing an assessment to make sure that your page has both the potential to rank higher in terms of, of backlinks and also the, I call it the linkability potential. So is that page linkable inside of it that people can use to mention it from other pages? So usually this can be like, for example, let's say they are talking about statistics. So statistics are, they're really good because people can use them somewhere inside their articles to link to your page. For example, they can say this article here mentioned that 73% of pages, blah, 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 and something like that. So. So these are usually called uh, citable elements, which is a, a really good thing to, to include inside your articles that people can use to mention, to link to your page from theirs. Right. These How do you make the, that as organic as possible so that you're not just forcing it, but it really makes sense in the context of yeah, their own content? Exactly. So these are the main three steps of the research. Picking the page, then matching the search intent and content type, and then making sure that you have the ability to rank and also that the page is linkable. And so as part of that research, so that sounds most of that is sort of introspection and sort of looking internally as to, okay, setting the strategy, what are we actually trying to do here? Which pages are we trying to promote? But what's sort of the plan? And then I would assume we start looking externally when it comes to the next step of, of prospecting. So the prospecting is essentially finding your unique point of entrance. So we like to call it finding your opportunity. And the thing that we try to do is we try not to follow the herd. If you're familiar with one of the most common kind of link building strategy or tactics is called the skyscraper technique, which was popularized by Brian Dean. So essentially what the skyscraper technique is, it means looking on maybe an SEO tool for pages that already have a lot of backlinks and maybe traffic. And then what you do is you try to recreate the same pages, but make it better. So that then you can reach out to the people that are linking to the other page and trying to pitch uh, your page in a way that it makes sense for them to link to it because it's better or because it's different than the other one. So by doing this, you're trying to compete against somebody else. Right. right. And you're trying to get them to rip and replace. Exactly. So replace somebody else's links with yours. So we don't really like to do this, especially because it's not really working that well now because everybody started doing it. And so what we try to do is instead of playing the game on hard mode, we try to play the game on easy mode, right? And so to do this, we essentially take a look at the competing pages and we take a look at the pages that are linking to them. And we use them to find specific opportunities or angle that we can use to then find pages that are similar to those ones, but that maybe are not even linking out to anybody else. So instead of going against somebody else and trying to replace their links, we reverse engineer this technique to find opportunities where the page that we're reaching out to is maybe not even linking out to anybody else so that we can just get in there and essentially use our strategy and the angle that we found to tell them, hey, we have this page about this topic that would make sense for you to link from your page. Uh, do you want to do this? And so that's how we do it. I don't know if it makes sense or not. but I think that makes good sense. I would liken it to in a B2B SaaS sales process, instead of prospecting and trying to get a company to rip and replace their current software and start using yours, you're solving for a, a new problem where they don't have to replace anything. They, they would just be adding this as a, a new benefit. And so I would assume 
in your shoes, since this is really your bread and butter, you do this all day long um, and are a real expert in this specific field. Most founders doing this aren't. So I would assume you've probably got more sophistication and you can probably have ways of, of finding these sites through your own process. And maybe you're able to automate a lot of that. Let's say I've got a new blog that's getting a lot of traction. I've gone through the research phase. I know this is the right thing to link to. It's the right content type, et cetera. Do I just start sort of Googling, trying to find other relevant pages that I think could link to me? Or, or is there is there more sophistication that I can be putting around that? So the way that we find these pages is specifically by using a bunch of tools, right? So we take a look at the competitors' backlinks and we look at the pages that are linking to them to mm. find these topics. But honestly, it's a very simple process that people can just do by maybe brainstorming. So for example, let's say that I need to promote an article on cold email templates, right? So the easiest way to do this is think about what of other articles would be interested in linking to an article that's about cold email? Then you start brainstorming there. And so, for example, a few different kinds of articles that might want to link an article on cold email templates could be how to use cold email to grow your business, for example, or an article that's about how to write customer service emails or another article that's about how to use email for client communication or maybe another article that's about how to use email to build relationships with clients and stuff like that. So all of the articles that talk about cold email templates, but not directly, and that could use your mention somewhere inside there to expand on the topic. That's the idea. Got it. And are, are there any of those tools that you use that you would recommend for more amateurs that are trying to do this themselves? Or are they sort of more enterprise-grade expensive no, tools? Uh, no, I mean, well, the main tool that we use is Ahrefs, which is, is probably the best SEO tools around uh, together with SEMrush and Moz. But it's pretty straightforward and it's not an enterprise-level pricing. It's a yeah, tool that anybody could afford, I think. And it's the main tool that we use. And then we use Pitchbox for Outreach. These are the two main tools. So it's stuff that anybody can yeah, could use, essentially. Cool. All right. That, that all makes a, lo a lot of sense. It sounds like you can do some of this with tools. A lot of it also is just sort of brainstorming and, and intuition. What, what about the last step, outreach? Any tips there for how to execute this step well? You and I were talking offline about, I felt your own cold email was really, really strong. And I think that's probably helps you a lot in your backlinking <laughs> business as well. So yeah, clearly you've got, you've got some tricks there, but let's just break down the outreach yeah. step for people. Sure. So essentially, uh, let's say that now you have step one and two. So the research and the prospecting done well. So with those two done well, it should be pretty obvious that the person that you're emailing, it should make sense for them to add your link, right? And so from a strategy perspective, this should work. So now your main goal is essentially to just start a conversation with this person. So most people think about outreach as like they need to write the perfect template to really be able to get this link with the first the first yeah, email that they send. But most of the time, it's just a matter of being able to start a conversation with the person. And then from that point on, it's most of the time it's essentially a negotiation and or just a human conversation between people, right? Especially if you do the first step well, the rest should be pretty easy. And so a few tips that I can give people on how to do the first email well. So we use two main approaches. The first one is for when we are trying to do things more at kind of a bigger scale. So what we do here is the first email that we send is a very uh, short message with no links, no anything. 
And essentially all there is, is just a very short question asking, like, is this the right person for a question on your content? So something like that. And what happens most of the time is that people will either ignore it or reply to this with like, uh, yes, this is me or no, uh, but I can introduce you to the right person. And so essentially, this is a very good way to start a conversation uh, because you're not pitching anything. They don't know that you're about to pitch anything. So they will maybe just reply, you know, like this. And usually from this point on, uh, then if you do things well, you can introduce the topic of the link or whatever you want to do in a way that it makes sense for them. And so this is a very good approach when you're trying to send a lot of emails so that you don't end up in spam folders as well, because this first message is very casual and you don't have any links, so you're not pitching right away. And so in case the campaign that you're trying to do is more targeted, maybe so you're sending less emails and you can afford to spend some more time up front. The trick that we like to do is to use social media and take a look at what people are posting. So usually people are posting three kinds of things on social media, for example, Twitter. So they are posting either sharing somebody else's links, or they are posting something about their work, or they are posting something personal. So maybe a rant or some funny meme or something like that, right? So your goal with this should be to find the third category, which essentially is the personal posts. So finding these personal posts and then using them both into the subject line and somewhere in the body of the text to use it as a way to get them to reply to you. So that's just to get their attention. So you don't really need to pitch the link as well here in the first email. The only thing that you need to do, especially if you've done the first two steps, the research and prospecting well, the main thing that you need to do here is just to get them to reply. Then you can slowly introduce the topic yeah. and then start start the negotiation process. I really like that because it, it's, again, it's very similar to your outreach for your normal B2B SaaS sales cycle, you're not going for the big pitch. You're not going for the sale in that first step. You're just trying to get in the door. You're just trying to to start a relationship, to start a conversation. And so your call to action is really important. And if your first step is, you would never walk up to someone in a bar and say, hey, you like want to go grab coffee for 45 minutes and chat about X, Y, Z? Like, no, you just go up and say, hey, what's up? And yeah. so that call to action is 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 critical. So I really like your approach there in terms of taking it a bit more casual, not asking for a whole lot up front, just trying to start the conversation and seeing where it goes from there. And another thing that I wanted to mention in regards like to the outreach is that I think that right now with the amount of agencies and people that are essentially spamming people i really believe that right now is the best time to try and be as funny and maybe as authentic as you can to really stand out because like it's really kind of easy now to spot like the you mentioned in the beginning the usual framework so hey i saw your content on this and i have this article on this do you want to link to this right so this is really like a very clear framework that you don't even have to read the email and you already know that it's a link building email. And so the best way to try and do this right now is actually to stand out, to break the pattern and try to do something different that stands out. I really like that. And I think it's spot on. It's funny because when I, when I first started doing sales in 20, well, software sales in 2016, everyone was already talking about doing personalization, using video, doing all these things. And it it seemed sort of obvious then it almost it almost seemed overworn people were just talking about it so much it was like oh wow everybody must be personalizing and then here we are five years later we're still talking about personalization yeah. and and we talk about it so much you would think that this is sort of the standard of today 
And I think even though it's a best practice, it's still really far from being the standard. And when I look at just the emails I get, and I'm sure with you, it's the exact same way. 90% of your cold emails you get aren't personalized or they aren't personalized well. And so when you do get one, that is the one I got from you, which was about some random tweet I put on Twitter about subscription houseplants because I keep killing mine is it really does stand out and it gets you to stop and and, and, and take a look. So I think for, for people listening that are sick of hearing about personalization and taking the time to do this the right way, it's shocking how far that is from the reality of what most people are doing. But I think the main problem there is that it's like, it's in our nature. We always try to automate the the stuff that is boring after a while. And so by trying to automate stuff, we usually make it worse. And so sometimes, sometimes you just need to go against the current and try to do the hard stuff and not uh, try to do the easy things. So once you're in the door, you have a conversation going, I would assume all this or most of it happens just still over email. What's the negotiation like? You mentioned at the beginning, it's important to make sure that you're positioning this in a way where there really is something in it for them. Is it purely sort of transactional and you're paying them for a backlink? Does it go beyond that? I don't live in this world. So help mm-hmm. walk me through what that looks like. There's a bunch of different scenarios of things that could happen. And obviously the ideal scenario is that they just give you the link because it makes sense because you've done a really good job both with the content and the research and the strategy and everything. And sometimes that still happens, and that's really like nice when it happens. And I've noticed that it, it usually happens more the bigger your company is and the more your brand is famous. That usually helps a little bit, especially now we're working with a really big company and we're trying really to focus on doing a campaign just by getting free links from people just because the content is really good. And so this still happens and it's probably the best way to do it. But obviously, not everyone can have a really good big brand. And and of course, somebody needs to start from somewhere. And so there are a couple of things that we usually do, especially for software companies, that maybe other kind of websites can't do just because of the nature of the business. So software companies have the ability to offer something for free. For example, I've seen companies offer free trials in exchange for a link or free subscription or affiliate links. So anything that you have that you can offer in exchange for the link, that's something that the other person might appreciate, especially if your product aligns to what they do and what they need, maybe. And so the other thing that we that we have seen is maybe offering link exchanges, so doing partnerships or even third-party partnerships. So let's say that my company is trying to get a link and I reach out to this site. And this site, maybe this guy also owns another company, so he offers me to give me a link from the other companies so that we don't do a one-on-one link, which is usually a bit worse than doing links from different websites. It's usually something that you have that you can offer to the other person. And money is unfortunately something that is at play here. Sometimes we try to avoid it as much as possible just because Mm -hmm. it's the worst thing. But sometimes it's just what the nature of the game. And what are we talking in terms of a range? Just what's mm-hmm. what's reasonable for to, to have to pay if it does come yeah. to that? So what we try to do is obviously to negotiate the price as low as we can, because we know that it's not something that takes a week to do, for example. Right, so it takes two doesn't. minutes. Exactly. So you might get some people that shoot something like $2,000 for a oh link. Gosh. So that, <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really too much. And so what we try to do is usually get anything that's between 
maybe $50 and $300. Okay. I was kind of thinking 50 to 100 bucks. All right. That makes a lot more sense. And then what about, give us a sense of what a good benchmark is for success rate for when people are doing this outreach and if they've done the first two steps of research and prospecting. So depending on the quality of the content and depending on what you can offer in return, maybe the results vary, but usually our reply rates are pretty good. And that's for the reason that I was telling you before. So the first right. like, few messages that we sent are not very promotional. And so the reply rates are really good, usually around 40%, something like 40, 50%. And then the link rate, that's usually lower because that's the actual request that mm-hmm. we do. But usually, mm-hmm. so we usually send for one client, it's usually, it's anywhere from 500 to 1000 maximum uh, emails per month mm-hmm. that we send. And we're usually able to get around 10 to 15 backlinks. So that's kind of the ratio. Got it. Okay. That, that's helpful. You mentioned you try to get to that 10 to 15 backlink number. Is that sort of the magic number that people should be aiming for when building links for a specific content type? How do you know when to stop? So no, there's no magic number actually, as anything, it depends again. So <laughs> Right. You stop so when you like, get on the first page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, I mean, the main, the best thing that you can do here is essentially, again, to look at what's already ranking. And that's because Google is essentially hiding the truth in plain sight. So they are telling you what they want to see on page one. So the easiest thing that you can do is just to open up a tool Ahrefs that shows you the backlinks and the SEO metrics for the site. And then what we like to do is like, firstly, look at what, uh, how many backlinks the other pages that are ranking above you have. And so you look at the referring domains, which is the backlinks from individual websites. And you take a look at which one of those links are do follow, which are usually the backlinks that pass the SEO juice. And then the other thing that's important to do is to actually look at what metrics these backlinks have. So you open up the individual backlinks that the pages have, you make a note of how many they have on average, for example. And then you also take a look at the, the individual metric of these backlinks. So let's say that the top five pages have an average of 10 backlinks maybe each. And uh, those uh, 10 backlinks that they have on average, they have an average domain rating or domain authority of 40, something like that. So that's kind of your benchmark in terms Mm -hmm. of quality and amount of backlinks. And then uh, though the last step, and this is usually what most people don't do because maybe like they don't think about it, is that these kinds of pages that are ranking on page one, besides the link that they maybe might get like through outreach or some manual process, you still need to think about the fact that these pages will continue to get backlinks organically just by the fact that they are ranking on page one already, right? Gotcha. So people might take a look on Google for the keywords, find these pages and use them inside the articles that they're writing. These are new organic backlinks that they're getting. And so the process to find out this third step is essentially to make a note of how many new backlinks these pages are getting per month. And to do this, it's, it's simple on, for example, on Ahrefs, so you go into the backlinks report and there's the new backlinks report as well, which shows you only the new backlinks that the page is getting. And there you can sort by, I think, the last 60 or 90 days, something like that. And so then you take the total and divide it by however many months that is. So let's say that like the page that you've seen has gotten 90 links in the last 90 days. So that's 30 backlinks per month, right? So then you make an average of that and and those are your benchmark number. So how many kind of links the pages already have on average 
what are the, the average SEO metrics of those backlinks and also how many new backlinks on average they are getting per month. A couple, couple last questions here, Alan. What are some common mistakes that folks make when they try to implement this themselves? Two major things. So either they try to do an approach that's way too personalized and not enough quantity. So maybe they try to send out 10 emails, super personalized, but like for some reason, those emails maybe end up in the spam folder. Maybe the, the person don't open them up or they don't reply. So that's essentially 10 emails that don't get a lot of results or maybe no results at all. And so these people just think that they have put out a lot of effort and not gotten a lot of results. And so they just stop doing it. And the other side of the coin is people that do the opposite. So they try to send thousands and thousands of emails per day, something like they're really crazy and not personalized at all. So the standard spam email. And obviously they don't get a lot of results as well. So they just do the same thing and they stop. So we say that these are the two mistakes. So the goal is actually to try to find the balance between the quantity of emails that you send and the amount and depth of the personalization that you do. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. What about, are there any other scrappy SEO tactics or strategies that you want to share with our listeners? I know we focused mostly on link building today, but curious if there are any other key tips that you wanted to, to get across. Sure. So some things that I've seen software companies do well, clients of mine, for example, things that have gotten them some success is keeping a log of the pages that are performing well and not forgetting about them, but keeping them up to date regularly. So maybe every six months you do a run, you see the pages that were ranking well, but maybe have lost some positions and then you go in there and update the content again. Maybe you add some paragraphs to try and target some extra keywords that they maybe have lost that they were ranking for. And the other thing is to work on pages, the, the pages that are ranking quite well already. I mentioned before the quick win pages. So every couple of months, you can do this check. You can see which pages you have that are ranking at the bottom of page one or top of page two with an SEO tool. And essentially focus on these pages and try to build a couple of backlinks to those to get some, some good quick increases in traffic with minimum effort. And lastly, another thing that more companies should do that maybe they don't do is let's say they have a main content asset that they want to promote. So what they do is they maybe run a campaign this month for this piece of content. They get maybe 10, 15, 20 backlinks, and then this content ranks pretty well. So what they do is they just stop because they think that all of the opportunities for this campaign have been used, for example. So they just stop doing this and they focus on other content. But the thing that they usually forget to do is maybe after two, three months, something like that, like you can usually try to repeat the same exact campaign and what happens is that more and more articles will have been published in the meantime. So you will be able to increase your original pool of prospects with these new pages that would have been published in the meantime. Because essentially a thousand, a million pages gets published every day, I think. And so <laughs> after a few months, you will like surely be able to find new pages that you haven't been targeting. Cool. Those are, those are great tips. So, I mean, Alan, I know we've, we've covered a lot today. Or we always to, to end it with any final thoughts, tips, or tricks that you want to leave folks with to summarize? I mean, just try to stand out from the pack. Try to do stuff that other people are not doing because it's too hard or maybe that it requires too much time. But try to keep things as simple as possible and focus on what works for you. That's mainly it. I love it. I think that's that's really... 
on point, especially for even early stage founders who are just starting out. You don't have to boil the ocean. You can really pick a couple key goals, a couple key pieces of content or content types that you're trying to promote and just focus in on those. And I love your whole, this theme of doubling down on what's working to continue leaning into those strengths. I think that that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And that's our show. So if you like this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 